Why am I frozen? You're not frozen. <laughs> All right, there we go. There you are. Hey, you got to bring yourself on. I don't know what happened to our intro. We'll get that figured out for next week, guys. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Panda will be along momentarily. I just want to give a quick shout out to our our great, gracious sponsor, uh, Dave Rosenfeld, Rock Doc of Black Rose Rebellion and of uh, Tunnel Crush. Which who incidentally was- owns a dental practice. So they if, you are- need, if you guys need your teeth done, you might want to go see Rosenfeld Dental Associates. Associates located at 1095 Inman Avenue at in Edison, New Jersey. They're five minutes away from Metro Park. Come rock your smile with the Rock Doc. Nominated one of the New Jersey's top dentists for 2020. Discounts apply for Rock and Roll Union members. Tell them CT, Panda, and Cat sent you. That's it. Guys, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, This is our debut episode, so... We're still trying to work out some of the kinks, the intro, everything else. But uh, I'm going to give it a big shout out. Uh, the Rock and Roll Union, you know, we had the podcast for, uh, wow, going on four years. But I, one of our brand new co-hosts, Kat, like, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Let our, our viewers know, like, your background in music and uh, what you're into. Wow. Put me on the spot, CT. Um, yeah, my background in music is well. I I used to host several podcasts more on the R and B rap kind of mixture side. So um, this is kind of my intro back into the music podcast world, which is freaking awesome and super grateful for. And uh, my husband is in a band called Level Eye which you've promoted several times and um i play piano so i have a little bit of a musical background and um my nickname is cat for various reasons um we'll get into that later but uh yeah that's me (laughs) i um love music i love live local music totally get out there wherever I can and just super happy to be here. Guys, uh, do me a favor uh, for anyone that is, uh, for some reason we're getting a lot of messages that we're not on the page. We actually did connect. So we're going live on YouTube right now. Um, Just letting you know, uh, if you know anyone that's watching, anyone that's listening, let them know you can hear my <laughs> my beautiful boy in the background, but um, for some reason, this isn't streaming to our Facebook page. It's going directly to YouTube, so I'm not sure why we're trying. Like I said, we're trying to figure out all the things right now and uh, just getting message after message. Yeah, so uh, just letting you guys know. Um, so bear with us for a moment, guys. Uh, not sure why the Facebook feed didn't happen, but if D, if Panda has her way, she'll fix it. But I know she's busy with the baby boy. D. Well, I'm actually looking at this right now while we're doing this. <laughs> so like I said, guys, um, we're really trying to work this out. A lot of good stuff, a lot of good music going on. Um, next week we'll be here with, we will have um, Tunnel Crush with us next week. And we'll also have Kevin and uh, Kevin and Steve Desco from Land of Oz. Land of Oz will be playing at the Landis Theater coming up. So they're going to have a really kick-ass show coming up. As is Tunnel Crush, they got a show going on in, at the Stone Pony. So whether you're in South Jersey, North Jersey, we got you covered, guys. We got all the best local bands, all the bands that, like, all the bands that you've been looking to see. So, um, a lot of great stuff. Looking ahead on the calendar, guys, I just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up. Uh, so, we have uh, Scott McClatchy will actually be with us on the 25th. I know that's a big hey. 
Great guy, man. He is then, the best. February 1st, we got Mark McKnight, who was the former guitar player for Bang Tango, the original Bang Tango. So he'll be with us. Then we got George Pond of Disciples of Verity. That is uh, the band that Corey Glover from Living Color is in. So that's Corey Glover's new band. George Pond will be with us. And then we have Mike LaPond from Symphony X, man. All you guys that are in the prog rock, that kind of stuff, man. Symphony X is the stuff. And then closing out February with Scotty Austin, the former lead singer of Saving Abel. Saving Abel kind of going back and getting the original singer back. But uh, Scotty filled in for a while for them. That's freaking awesome news. So, yeah, guys, we're, we're really setting it up, and we're trying to give you guys the best experience that we can. Um, like I said, thank you for bearing with us this moment, this uh, first episode, man. It, things happen. <laughs> but I assure, you, I assure you it's not going to be a common thing as it was with the, po- the, the podcast, man. Some of the things that we went through with that podcast. Pander, are you with us? Yes, I am. What was what would you say the biggest technical food pod that we went through on the, the podcast was? It's shutting off all the time. They kept losing their servers. The the worst thing that I think ever happened, and it it, it was embarrassing, was we had an end of year special where we were announcing oh my God. our. But in all fairness, that was actually my fault. That was my fault. So we were announcing our first ever band of the year for Rock and Roll Union, who for 2021 was Zenora, but the very first band of the year was Rat Rod. And we did half an episode muted and didn't know about it. Oh no. Nobody heard us announce it. Nobody heard well, anything. It, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was my fault, but it was also the server's fault because what happened is their servers went down, so we couldn't do you couldn't hear us on the laptop for some reason. We didn't know what was going on. So I had to call in on my phone to so we can all talk that way. But we had to mute my phone in between so that we could, you know, play the songs and all that. Well, we forgot that we were doing it on my phone, so we didn't hit the mute button again. All because the servers had gone down for them. So oh. they were having a problem with their site and everything. I don't know what happened. So we assure you that technical food piles on this show are going to be uh, not very common as it was on the podcast. Well, we're going to try. We're going to try. <laughs> you, you can't promise assurance, anything. Assurance is a little heavy right now. Exactly. You know, and there's one thing that I wanted to mention. Uh, I I got out this past Friday night to a 90s rock fest. And uh, Loungefly put on a hell of a job as always. Ira Fleischer, good friend. Uh, Thank him for everything. And there was a band called Ledbetter, which was a Pearl Jam tribute. And they did the whole set acoustic because they had no drummer. But the one thing I really, really got to say, and I was floored, was there was a band called The Best of Foo, the Foo Fighters tribute. When the band came out, the lead singer had cerebral palsy and was in a wheelchair, did the entire show from the wheelchair, and the guy was phenomenal. I mean, regardless of having palsy, regardless of anything, he was just a great singer. Not a great singer with palsy, but just a great Right. He had screams down. He had the voice down. He like he was phenomenal. The fact that he was in that chair and had palsy was amazing. I don't know if you know this, CT, but my niece has uh, cerebral palsy. Oh she's, wow! Yeah, she's twenty, just turned twenty-two, and uh, she can't do all that, but yeah. that touches my heart. Like, yeah, crazy. he uh, amazing. I worked with a student that uh, that had palsy and just know the difficulties that surround that. So seeing this guy get out on stage and he didn't just kind of go out there and sing. Like he would spin his wheelchair all over the stage. Like he was out there working, he was pumping up the crowd. He was great. That is so inspiring. Like, you're going to make me tear up before I snort. Stop. 
Uh, speaking of snorts, <laughs> you have to tell about the oh, new. I had to open that door that quickly, huh? Yes, you did. So there is a new, no. shall we say, spot that we're doing. It's kind of during the whole whole uh, podcast, though, where we are going to have a snort counter so we can see how many times Cat snorts during the podcast. <laughs> And we done got her to start it. So here, here's the thing that I'm going to rely on you guys for. I want you guys to bring up the funniest memory or joke or anything that you could put in the comments. And we're going to see how much we can make our good friend Kat snort. Yeah. Well, I think we, you need a little backstory on how the snorting started. Um, uh, Panda, you want to take that one? Yeah, I think I'll let you do that. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, man. Uh, Put me into the wolves. Um, <laughs> so we were at a, a bar, a dive bar that a lot of local bands play at. And uh, there was a local band playing there. And me and Panda were kind of wedged between, like, tables against a wall and people bringing their equipment in and we were going to go outside and get some fresh air. And we realized we were kind of boxed in. And um, every time we turned around, we just, can I say a SS? There's no holds barred on this show. Okay. So every time we turned around, we just saw a hairy ass crack (laughs) and we couldn't move. There was nowhere to go because there was a huge cabinet and tables behind it and him. So, and he was just right in her sister-in-law's face, bending over Harry's ass crack. And I mean, it was like, not even like a plumber's crack. It was like half an ass. (laughs) And so every time I turned around, I was laughing and I, and then Panda turned around and I just started, i cried and then started snorting and that's how she figured out to get me to snort laugh which is very rare for people to get me to do (laughs) and um, so then we turned around and we thought we were safe but we got the head and it was worse than the ass because it was very long hair and just like a whole piece like right here and I don't know where there was more hair on the ass or the head. And we were stuck. There was nowhere we could go because they were just standstill waiting to bring their equipment up. And I've never laughed that hard in my entire life. Crying, snorting, Panda was falling over. I was falling on top of her. And I was like, we need to get the F out of here right now because these guys have no idea what is going on. Because it's just me and Panda and her sister-in-law. And like there was nothing funny. We weren't talking. We were just laughing and snorting and the guy so, had more hair on his ass than on his head. <laughs> we, we didn't know which. And every time we turned around, it was just like the perfect opportunity of him bending over one of which way. I'm like, why can't we ever turn around and see this guy just standing up? Ever. <laughs> like every time we turn around, he's ass up or head down. I don't I'm like we need to get out of here. And uh, so, yeah, that's where the um, the snorting started. <laughs> the snorting laugh, like not the snorting, like I'm a crazy person. So, yeah, we're doing the, the snort counter. So the ones that can get Kat to snort on this show, man, props. You're, you're going to have bragging privileges. But um, Panda, it, how it's was hard? It's hard. Panda's one of the only ones that can do it. So. What do you think, Panda? You there? Is that a challenge? Oh, man. <laughs> Stop it, Panda. She's already sending me messages. <laughs> so, for you guys that don't know, Panda, the main reason she's crying on her. There it goes. She just snorted. There it goes. There it is. 
Oh, hold on, I gotta put this on there. She's allowed to privately chat me. That doesn't count. That's not fair. Uh, your lovely husband has now started the counter. You're on two. His comments are on the screen. So, for you guys that don't know, the reason why Panda's off screen right now is she's dealing with our two-year-old son. And she's doing that more out of privacy for our son than anything else. So, she'll be on screen when she's able to. When she's not, she's dealing with the son, with our son. But she's still with us, so she's still there. She is still here in spirit. Oh, wait. We have an update on the snort counter. Oh, no. And the snort counter is live at three and a half. Three and a half snorts. Uh, I don't know half. what a half a snort is, but <laughs> we're at three and a half snorts. I think because I covered my face. I don't know if that's breaking the rules. <laughs> hey, <buddy. laughs> there it is. There's four. My side hurts already. <laughs> this is only episode one. We got a long way to go. Somebody said way too much information. <laughs> no. Dude, if you're stuck in between a wall, a table, and an ass crack, you will snort. I promise you. You will snort laughing or you will fall over. <laughs> I promise you it will happen. So switching gears, it is a great privilege. I'm going to bring him on a little bit early. Um, guy that I've been talking to for a while now, a uh, guy named Bill. Uh, he's going to butcher me for not pronouncing his name the right way, so I'm going to let him pronounce his own name. But uh, from Legion of Prague, it is my pleasure to bring on Bill. Bill Good evening. How you guys hey, doing? Man, how are you? Hi, Bill. I got to so tell you, I have listened to many episodes of the podcast in audio form. Video brings a very new dimension to it, I got to say. <laughs> it does. It does. There's a lot of uh, technical stuff that we're still ironing out. So thank you so much for being with us and uh, rocking with us through this little uh, get-to-know-each-other phase. Yeah. I definitely want to know how you can count to half a snort, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you live with the guy that's counting the half snort, so. Why is he the counter? Did you guys make him the counter behind my back? No, he just started commenting on the side of the screen, so <laughs> I just kind of started. Mark is now the count snorter. <laughs> that sounded like well, another one, by the way. <laughs> but I'm done. I wanted to get into uh, into Legion of Prague, Bill, and what about that music and how the whole band came about and like where you guys started from. Oh, my pleasure. Um, let me go back to the introduction. Um, my last name is pronounced Poig. Um, there it is. Yep. It's spelled P-U-I-G, which, of course, in light of the fact that Yasil Puig plays in uh, the National League these days, whenever people see that name, they immediately think they know how to pronounce it. And I have never pronounced it that way myself. But, th but it is what it is. It's Proig. Poig. Poig. Yep. Got it. What nationality is that? It, that is from uh, the northern part of Spain, from uh, the Catalan Barcelona region. Catalan Barcelona. Awesome. Yes. So... Legion of Prague started about four and a half years ago, and I'll try and keep the story short and sweet. Um, CJ knows from the uh, messages that we've exchanged that I have a tendency to be long-winded. I'll do my best to keep things on track. So, CT. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, Kat can be, too. You should see the messages that she sent. <laughs> Watch it. Watch so it. We're, we're all long-winded here, Bill. So no, <laughs> no worries. I, I like to keep mine concise and short. Yep. Anyway, uh, Legion of Prague had its genesis in a uh, '90s grudge tribute band that 
the guitar player, a gentleman named Mike Sunilia and I were part of for a very brief time about five and a half years ago. We were in that band long enough to realize that neither one of us really belonged there and tried to figure out, well, what do we want to do from here? Mike had played in a lot of metal bands over the course of his life. He's been playing guitar for about 40 years. And if you could, if you name a Sabbath or an Iron Maiden tribute band that played in New Jersey sometime from 1985 until today, Mike probably wasn't in it at one time or another. And uh, is a very, very good guitar player. But he decided he wanted to do something different. And uh, more to the point, I think his comment at the time was, I'm not going to be credible being on stage playing metal when I'm 60. I want to do something different. And we were both fans of progressive rock and decided that it would be something that we wanted to pursue, that we felt had an audience based on shows that we had been to and so forth. And I, and we both thought it would be interesting for us to embrace it and play it. And we went out looking for like-minded individuals to do that. And it took us a while to find the right group of people. But over the course of the last two years, we've had a stable lineup and have been playing a bunch of, I think, really fun and uh, really successful gigs. The only challenge for us was that we started really playing out on a regular basis right before COVID hit. Gotcha. <laughs> so, the, so a good portion of our time on uh, the stage has been in the course of about the last year or so even though we've been yeah. together for a lot longer than that yeah covid covid just hurt everybody, everybody especially when you start like that oh and what is it about that mute because not there's one thing that i you know being on your your page and being watching your the transition of your band that you guys flaunt out there and it's so true is not everybody plays this stuff and this is a this is amazing music that isn't really performed that much. What is it about the that type of music that brought you guys into playing that? I think a lot of it was exactly what you just said, CT. People aren't playing it. For the most part, they don't play it because it takes a long time to master. It's a lot easier to get together uh, a garage band throw together some three and four chord songs, you know, Tom Petty type stuff, and yep. go to play at the local pub. It takes work to play Prague. It's a, quite frankly, it's a pain in the ass. I will say the word ass, by the way. No, you're fine. <laughs> I had to ask permission. You're good. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's music that really takes a hard, a, a lot of time to get together and make it sound right. It takes a lot of practice, a lot of rehearsal, and it takes the right set of instruments. Um, I've been a bass player on and off for the last 40 years of my life. And it was probably about a year into playing with this band that I reached the realization that there was only one guitar I could really play and do justice to this music as a bass guitarist. And that was the Rickenbacker. Gotcha. And <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's my nobody was trying to say Rickenbacker. <laughs> how would how would you explain to someone who's never heard prog music how would you sum it up prog music is music that rather than being based in the blues as most hard rock and heavy metal is it has elements of that music but it also has elements of jazz and elements of classical a good portion yeah. of prog rock um uh, comes from um, European classical composers from the 19 from uh, the late 19th and early 20th century. Um, people like um, you know Sibelius, Bella Bartok, um, uh, uh, composers of that era, probably from between 1890 and 1930. Cool. Uh, King Crimson, in particular, made uh, oh, yeah. their entire career doing that type of work. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and you know, I think. The, the problem with King Crimson was they were quite over, quite overlooked because of the theatrics and the makeup, but like they were amazing musicians. You're actually talking about Genesis with the, the makeup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's Funny. an amazing feel, and it's amazing, like, the orchestration that goes behind it. And I'm sure, like, now, you guys, uh, how versed is the, like, you guys have a keyboard player, am I right? Because you we, have to. 
You, you almost have to to play this music. There have been some bands over the course that have uh, played Prague without a keyboard. It's probably uh, Wishbone Ash, the British band from the 70s, being the most notable. But most bands who play this music are you know, guitar-based, keyboard, drums with a singer. Yeah. Right up my alley. That's my key, my keyboard background that my husband's band won't let me play in. <laughs> I keep begging. <laughs> Never going to happen. Now, as far as that music is concerned, Bill, what are some of the acts that you like that are closest to you as far as the prog rock and like being a fan is concerned? Oh, there are probably a ton that I could name, but um, I'll go over the ones that um, are, are nearest to my art, as you said. Um, yes, Genesis, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, King Crimson. Um there are some bands that are lesser known there. Um, the Dutch band Focus is a brilliant one, if you're familiar with them at all. You, know, you, you probably at least have heard their song Hocus Pocus a couple of times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, uh, Golden Earring from Holland is another. Um, the British band Camel is a little bit more esoteric, but they're very, very good. Gentle Giant. So we have uh, somebody asking a question. I'm going to pop it up there so you can see it. Um, so they're talking, well, they, not really a question, but just a suggestion of different bands that are out there. Um, bear with me for one second. So we're talking bands like Dream Theater. Um, Dream mm -hmm. Theater I absolutely love. Um, yep. Bands like um, Rush. Yeah, I'm sure you can see that now. Uh, ELP. Um, any thoughts on bands like Tool and some of the the newer? I mean, Tool's not really newer now that it's like 20, 30 years old, but you would kind of consider them a little bit newer than Genesis. They're a next generation, absolutely. Yeah. They came along about 20 years after the fact. Um, and Tool, I would call probably more progressive metal than Prague, but there's definitely Prague elements to their music. I mean, one of the things that um, does tend to brand progressive rock is the songs are often written using odd time signatures where the yeah. time signatures change in midstream. Mm -hmm. Tool does that all the freaking time. In very, very strangely, they do that. Yeah, and it just works. Um, sometimes I don't feel like it works. It hits the ear wrong, but when they do it right, it's incredible. Oh, it, it can be really engaging. I mean, there are a couple of songs in our repertoire where we do that too, as an example. Um, you know, Mark is mentioning Rush in his list, and I neglected to mention them in the list I gave, but we play quite a bit of Rush in our sets. One of the songs we play is um, one from their Permanent Waves album called Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder starts out in 11 time, then changes to four, and then by the end of the song changes to 13. Wow. It's a drummer's nightmare. 13. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that drummer's got to be tired. Ooh. Yeah. So now with you being a, a bass player, like a lifelong bass player, Bill, uh, what are some of your favorite basses that are involved in prog rock? Well, the one that probably stands out um, above all the rest is Chris Squire. I mean, he was a, a, gr a groundbreaking bass player and was probably along with Paul McCartney, the fellow that um, sold Rickenbacker basses more than anyone else across the planet. Really? Um, I mean, he was one of the very first to really step forward. I mean, there's a cl classic story Chris Squire used to tell. Before he joined Yes, he was working in a music store in London. It was the music store, the only place where you can buy Rickenbacker instruments back in 1964 or 5, whenever this was. And they got the first shipment of Rickenbackers in. And they got three Rickenbacker basses. John Entwistle bought the first one. Peter Quaife, who was at the time the bassist with the Kings, bought the second one. And Squire said, there's got to be something special about these. And he went to his store manager and said, I want the third one. Can I buy it with my employee discount? And the manager said, yes. And that's the bass that Chris Squire played in Yes for the next 50 years. Wow. Wow. So, so getting back to the question, he definitely made an impression. Um, 
I made the comment earlier that the Rickenbacker bass is sort of the bass guitar of prog rock, and it's pretty much the signature instrument. Um, Squire played it. Getty Lee, of course, is very well known for playing the Rick. Mike Rutherford of Genesis was known for playing the Rick for a long time. Um, John Camp with Renaissance, that list just goes on and on and on. That all being said, my first bass hero wasn't a prog rock bassist. My first bass hero was Jack Bruce of Cream. Uh, of course. Wow. Hell yeah. I mean. Like, who did, there's no, yeah, there's no other. What do you, why do you think that that particular instrument makes it different? What is the sound? What is, what to you makes it sound different, make it different? The Rickenbacker bass has a tonality to it that is very unique. It has a, a good low end, but it has a piercing high end. It cuts through the mix like no other bass. It makes recording engineers crazy because of the fact that they're used to the idea of mixing the bass relatively low so where it's a, something of a thump. And they for the most part, think in terms of, well, you know, a good Fender Precision bass does that just perfectly. A bass player who's playing a Rick is all of a sudden almost playing in the realm of uh, a rhythm guitar player. Okay. Wow. Now, uh, we have a new question about the band Mastodon and your thoughts on that band. I can't say that I'm as familiar with them as I should be. I've heard they're very good, but I really don't know that I can make an intelligent comment on them. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> now, my question is this for you, Bill. Now, with prog rock being what it is and the sound and the feel of prog rock, do you feel that maybe playing in some venues loses that that kind of uniqueness about playing in like just a local pub or playing as opposed to maybe I, I feel that music kind of lends itself to, to a theater or to a bigger venue of that kind of sort more so than it does to maybe a bar or a pub or something like that. Any thoughts on that? You are spot on correct. Uh, we've played out of necessity as the band was getting started over the course of the last couple of years. We've played shows at pubs and they've gone fairly well, but there's a big difference in playing in a pub playing this type of music in a pub versus playing it in a theater setting. Um, one is just there's a, a grandeur to the music that you're never going to have in the small stage in a pub. But the other thing, playing in a pub or even playing in some of the larger venues by the Jersey Shore where I live, generally the people who are coming in aren't aficionados of prog rock. More to the point, they don't necessarily care what kind of music you're playing so long as you can dance to it and drink to it. And our kind of music probably isn't going to go over all that well for that type of engagement. We try to, with our shows, when we play smaller venues like that, we try to uh, fine tune the music to make it that we're a little bit less snobby, for want of a better word. Yeah, I hear you. Where we'll nice. mix in nice. songs by sticks and boston and the beatles and things like that in order to be a little bit more engaging of the crowd so that they'll stick around and listen to some of the other stuff right right i mean one of the other things that i think you guys kind of lose in that kind of a crowd that always is a big thing every time i think of uh prog rock and i'm a big genesis fan my name my son's name is colin after phil collins oh and, boy <laughs> and uh i there's no like there's no room for lights or theatrics or I mean any kind of uh, background any type of thing like that in a bar situation whereas if you play a theater you have that kind of surrounding you that is very true the one thing that you can do and you have the the technology to thank for this the one thing you can do is a lot of the special effects um, I've got uh, an effects pedal that I use and our keyboard player has um, the ability to wire in effects loops as part of um, yeah, his rig. Well, to where if we need to yeah, trigger something to go in the background to accent the music, 
we can do that very easily. One of the songs as an example that we've played with the band almost since the very beginning is Pink Floyd's song, Dogs. Oh, yeah. With a lot of special effects. Nice. The, the, the barking dogs, the echo, so forth. We can reproduce all of it. Very cool. Very cool. We, we've done it in a pub. People look at us and like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> They're like, what's going on? <laughs> So I, I wanted to ask you, um, so for our viewers, how many members is Legion of Prague and uh, how, where's, where do you guys go next? Like, do you have any dates on the books as far as upcoming shows? Okay. We have um, five members in the band. Um, I mentioned Mike, the guitar player and myself, we're the founders of the band. Um, um, Doug is our drummer. Um, Michael is our keyboard player. Pat is our singer. Um, all of us are, for want of a better word, um, veterans of you know, playing in the Jersey Shore area. Most of us have played 30-odd years at least with other bands doing this type of stuff. Not necessarily playing prog rock, but playing various styles of music, and you know, we each have uh, something of our own followings there. As far as... What's next? We do have uh, some shows in the books. We recently did have a personnel change. Michael, our keyboard player, is new to the band for the last month. So we've been taking something of a break as he learns uh, our repertoire and as we add new songs that um, you know, he is familiar with you know, and bring some of uh, his influence to the band as well. Um, so our next show is in early March. We're playing um, at... Um, uh, a rock venue and restaurant uh, local here in central New Jersey called Huddy's Inn. Um, we have um, other shows um, in uh, the April-May time frame as well. Um, but we also are beginning to explore some of the larger venues and uh, the theaters in the area for exactly some of the reasons that you mentioned earlier. Um, we don't have a firm date on the books yet for either one of these, but we have a show that will likely happen sometime in the early spring at uh, the Broken Goblet in Ben Salem. Great. We're also, we're, we're also talking uh, with um, Mark over at halftime. He's looking to put us up for a gig there as well in the not too distant future. One uh, of the things that I liked about you brought up the Broken Goblet. One of the things that I was totally floored about the place was their their stage is actually David Bowie's old stage from yep. the Fighters from Mars tour. And like, I, I was astounded. Like uh, most people will walk by and not think twice about it, but I sat there and just like took it all in and like absorbed that. Like That's like alter. Ugh, like <laughs> Broken Goblet was the have? first place we ever played. Really? We ever did about wow. two, a little over two years ago. And I remember walking in and seeing that stage and I said, we're playing here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> It probably Beautiful. took me about 10 minutes to get over the shock. Now, um, as far as you guys playing different shows and getting out, is it easier for you guys to do like an evening with uh, Legion of Prague as opposed to trying to match other uh, Prague artists? I mean, sometimes that can be tricky. It is a little easier for us to try and do um, a full night show on our own. Um and I think that's really for two reasons. Number one is there really aren't that many bands that do what we do. Yeah. And those that are playing in you know, this realm, and there are a few bands from the New Jersey, Philadelphia area who play prog rock. I don't know if you've uh, encountered the bands Rail or Tarkas. Rail does Genesis Tarkas. Tarkas, yep. Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer. Mm -hmm. And they're both very, very good. But they're both headliners in their own right. I really don't know that they are that interested in doing um, – dual shows, or maybe festivals perhaps, but uh, generally they're going to want to have their their piece of the action and they deserve it. They're good bads. Um, so we generally have, a, uh, when we look for opportunities, try to find where, where we can have the headline and uh, play two, two and a half hours for the audience. Uh, and we are able, I think, to do that because we take a somewhat different approach from some of the other bads, not to knock yeah, the tribute bands that focus on a single bad, because most of them are very good. They've really gotten those bands down to a science. We tend to play music from across the genre, and gotcha. we do it deliberately because we feel that it shows off 
our ability and it also keeps the audience better engaged thinking about where all this different music came from and how significant it is. So a typical show for us will open with Genesis, move from Genesis to ELP, then to Kansas, then maybe to Boston to give people a break and then break out the Pink Floyd and play dogs for 17, 18 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably another reason why like you can't get away with doing that in a pub. Like, something like dogs is just like it's so it's one of those sit there and enjoy the music it's something to appreciate where you guys are doing a almost like a music appreciation of the genre as opposed to like just the greatest hits of each band well that's very true and one of the things we have found out is that it's not easy to do that and do it successfully. First off, the music is tricky, as we said, uh, but it's also trying to get the sounds right. Mike, our guitar player, has to, by turns, sound like Steve Hackett, Steve Howe, Alex Lifeson, Jan Ackerman. It's not easy for him. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) I have it easier on the bass because most of those bands use Rickenbackers. But Mike, not so much. Mike has to work. (laughs) So here we are, January of 2022. What are you hoping that this this new year brings for Legion of Prague? I, if it were, uh, if we were able to realize my vision, CT, I'd like us to be regularly playing in theaters and pulling in people on a regular basis. It might be from the same grouping of fans. I mean, one of the things about this area, I mean, it, that is wonderful. You know, that is the, the greater New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Northern Delaware area is, this is Prague Central for the United States. I mean, that this is where so many of these bands really cut their teeth when they first came yeah. from England to the States. And they, uh, and in many cases, the bands really got an, a good appreciation of that to where they've continued their relationships with this part of the United States, even after their bands have ended. Um, as an example, Annie Haslam, the singer from Renaissance, lives in Bucks County. She moved here from the UK many years ago and has lived here for, I think, the last 15 years. Wow. And operates the current version of Renaissance from the United States. That's awesome. Uh, so looking at it from that point of view, um, you know, these bands uh, really have such a great appreciation for what uh, for the people here. And the people who grew up loving this music from this area still love it and still come out for it. Uh, there are times that we've played shows that didn't go over terribly well in terms of the number of people we drew. Maybe you know, it, we, instead of drawing uh, 70 people, we drew half of that. But the 30-odd people who showed up were absolutely going gonzo for every song we played. <laughs> and it's wonderful to see. That's what counts. I mean, yeah, I just want to see us do that at a larger scale. Instead of playing to a, a, a few dozen people, I want us to regularly play to a couple of hundred people. Yeah, if we could do if we could do that, even if we do it only maybe say eight or ten times a year, I think we've been success, become successful because at that point, people will know who we are and will associate our name with a positive experience. We're never going to become rich playing this music. Right, we all have right. day jobs, and we know that this is something that we do for love. But we also want to do it for respect. And if we can do that, if we build a fan base where that is looking for our next show that wants to come out and see us, that'll make us happy. I I I actually respect that more than the the guys that are out there doing it for you know the money and the promotions and the the door charge. You know, it's that you're actually out there for the love of the music. And that's that's what I you can always tell the difference between a band who's doing it because they're just grunt, you know, grunging it out like weekend after weekend against the, the bands and the groups that are out there because they just absolutely love it. I mean, you can absolutely tell the difference and it it shows. And so that's that's super super 
respectful in in my eyes that, that that's the way you look at it. And uh, Bill, I just wanted to, my last question for you um, is as far as people finding out more about you guys, more about like what shows you got coming up, social media pages, websites, that kind of thing. How do people go about finding Legion of Prague? We have um, a Facebook page that I, along with Doug, our drummer, you know, manage on a regular basis. We're constantly putting up information there about the band, as well as clips from shows. We will you know, post information on upcoming shows. We have, right now, we don't have anything as far as shows that are coming up uh, on the site because some of those have just been booked. Gotcha. But that'll be up, but that'll be updated over the course of the next couple of days. Bottom line is, you have the Facebook page, and it's um, you have both got a URL legionofprog.com, but it also uh, is accessible under Facebook and in normal channels as well. That's really the place to keep in touch and keep track. Awesome, Bill. Thank you so much for being with us tonight, and uh, man, I, I look forward to hearing more from you soon. Yeah, no, we. We'll do our best, definitely. Uh, before I go, I just wanted to, to mention briefly, CT, I know at one point we had talked about um, the prospect of um, doing uh, the album retrospectives that you had planned yes. uh, when you were on the other platform. I'm still, uh, CT had assigned me the Beatles White Album to discuss. And that is such a treasure trove of information. I am dying to make that happen for you <laughs> if and when you're ready to do it. Absolutely. I th we have a lineup uh, scheduled, but we're going to be touching that in the spring. We're going to be going back to exactly what my plans were for doing those album retrospects coming up in the spring. Yeah, the, that album, and I won't uh, uh, do too many spoilers here, but that album is just so amazing in terms of what it meant um to the arc of the Beatles' career, as well as to their personal lives. So, you're going to need to probably give me about a half an hour or more for that discussion. because it's oh, gonna We're, we're going to make that a two-hour <laughs> talk, man. Exactly. Yeah, I would definitely, that would be a long conversation for me, too. I have so many, so many insights and questions about the White Album. It's, it's insane. So that's totally intriguing. So, Bill, thank you so much for being here tonight. Have a great rest of your week, my friend. Oh, uh, same to you, CT. Kat, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure it coming on board at last. Thank you. It was great to meet you. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. All righty. Talk care. to you soon. All right, Bill. So there was Bill. Cool as hell. Great guy, man. Great guy. And that, my friends, is exactly what we're going to be doing on this show. We're going to be talking to musicians. We're going to be talking to the people that actually practice the craft. And we're going to be talking about, you know, there's a lot of shows out there that give you the big name musicians or musicians from the past that were big. I try to give you guys the best music that's still out there, that's still going, that's Really doing all that, and I'm so glad to have Kat and Panda with me. Panda, are you with me? She's muted. Yeah. Yes, no, I am. She's there. I just so, don't want baby people to hear the baby crying in the background. Yeah, it. We're 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 normal people. That that's what we are. I mean, this is our lives, and this is what we do with it. So, having a baby crying in the background. I mean. It might not sound the greatest, but it's a blessing to us nonetheless. Do you have a Do you have a song from from um, Legion of Prague? To play? Unfortunately, because of all the music that they play being copywritten, uh, there's no way of doing that. Okay, so I'm just I'm um, so interested. Like I, I never he made it sound so like intriguing. Like now I'm like. I want to go find them. And so, like, yeah. Like so that's, that's going to be the big thing is if you guys were really interested in that and talking to the viewers as well, if you guys were really interested in that, make sure that you guys get out and see them. We will be posting when their shows are coming up and, uh, and you'll be able to see all that guys. Well, I'm definitely still here. I'll be on camera. Hold on. We still have to get, uh, you forgot to mention to to Bill to make sure he drops all that on the Rock and Roll Union page so people can uh, find where he is, his Facebook page and all that. 
See, the good thing with Bill is he usually does that anyway. So uh, I'll make sure that I mention it to him. And guys, our guest next week, uh, we're, we're going to be having Tonal Crush come in. Uh, or come on, rather, they're not going to be coming in. They're going to be coming on. Uh, Tonal Crush with Dave Rockdock, who I absolutely love. He's a brother of mine. and uh, sponsor for the Rock and Roll Union. He, he made everything possible, man. Rosenfeld Dental Associates, make sure that if you're up in that part of Jersey, you see them, man. Uh, they're offering discounts for Rock and Roll Union members. Just tell them that you heard it from Panda, CT, or Cat, and... Dave will hook you up, man. Voted one of the best dentists in 2020. So um, another guy I wanted to mention was Phoenix Custom Printing, my uh, my boy Dave Shepard. If you're looking for anything as far as uh, custom T-shirts for family reunions or band merch or anything along those lines, you can reach out to him at 410 2081. Once again, that's 410-206-2081. Or drop them a line at phoenixcustominc at gmail.com. Once again, tell them that you heard it on the Rock and Roll Union show, and he will give you 20% off your total order. And he is the main guy, the only guy, the exclusive printer of the Rock and Roll Union. So all our t-shirts, we got more designs coming up. We got more merch hitting the shelves in the early spring. So Really looking forward to all that, man. So um, that's about it for us, guys. Uh, any last thoughts, Kat? I, I, I miss my rock and roll union bracelet. <laughs> so I'm waiting on that. Well, we'll just have to get your titties into a shirt. Ah! Ah. <laughs> so, that way, when you're on the show, you can have it, have it, have them out there. <laughs> I will make sure I'll prep them next time. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna be fluffing them pillows ahead of time. Uh-oh, we got a snort. Oh, there goes the snorts. I told you I was gonna get you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever, in all my podcasting days, ever been told to prep my titty. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, next week we're gonna be having uh, Tony Cross. We'll also be joined by Land of Oz. Nice segue. From Land of Oz will be with us. Really excited to talk to them. They got a show coming up at the Landis Theater. You want to check out a really cool place, man. Make sure you get out to the Landis. Yeah, that place is like the tits, no pun intended. And it really is. It really is a beautiful place to go see like anybody. Me and Panda went and saw uh, the Evil Dead musical there. That was awesome. Oh, jealous. We got splattered with blood. We were sitting in the splatter zone. No. We're in the second row in front of the stage. Like, yeah, we were covered. That is awesome. And you know what's messed up is I wore a face shield. I knew something told me wear a face shield. People were getting people were getting shot in their eyes with the blood. (laughs) I'm listening to everybody around me. Oh my god, in my eye. I got pictures, man. I'll I'll throw them up on the union page if you guys want to see them. But, uh, yeah, they did a hell of a job. The the whole cast of that show was phenomenal. I I would love to see that when it comes, if it comes back around, definitely. Now, speaking of Atlanta, I went and saw that show last week with uh, the Foo Fighters tribute band, the um, Ira, who was the Stone Temple's tribute band, and... um, so we talked a little bit about the Foo Fighters tribute band. We really didn't talk much about uh, the Pearl Jam or the or Irish so, band. So. I got to tell you, the, the Pearl Jam band being an acoustic band and uh, they didn't have their drummer, I thought the singer did a phenomenal job covering Eddie Vedder. It's hard stuff. Um, it, it was really an intimate feel. It was great. Um I'm not the biggest 90s grunge fan out there. I went there because my good friend Ira is the drummer for Loungefly. And um, I was really, really pleased with that Pearl Jam tribute, the Leadbetters. If you haven't heard them, guys, check them out. Make sure you see them on Facebook. And uh, Loungefly. Loungefly was the headliner. And their Pearl Jam, I mean, their uh, Stone Temple Pilots tribute is beyond, like, 
expectations, man. They have come so far. Me and D saw them, pro or me and Panda and them, probably saw them their first gig, which was like three years ago when we first started Rock and Roll Union. Or which, going by the way, I am a '90s grunge fan. Which the other reason I was supposed to go, we just I just couldn't go last weekend because things came up. So, but um, we saw them at like their first gig and to see them go from hot shots at little bar hot shots to see them on the main stage at the Landis headlining that event was just phenomenal. They did such a great job. Well, that's full circle CT because the first time I met you was at hot shots yep. or rock for recovery, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's, yeah, little tiny hot shot stage to the Landis Theater. That's amazing. Did he, did he, does he do the whole Eddie Vedder, like, you know, long hair over the microphone? Well, oh, you're talking Ledbetter? Ledbetter, yeah. yeah Ledbetter. He did have uh, the long hair. He had, like, the, the sweatshirt on, the dirty jeans. The, yeah, like, like the, the hand kind up, of the kind of, like, you know, like, just, like, grungy feel yeah. to it. Now, the difference between them and uh, Loungefly, Brian, their lead singer, you could see, like, if you remember how iconic uh, Scott Weiland was, yeah. the lead singer of uh, Stone Tumble Pilots and uh, Velvet Revolver, he had a certain appearance, he had a certain look, a certain sound, and Brian has really encapsulated all that, and he does a hell of a job. But, yeah, the Pearl Jam, they, they were all on stools, kind of like in a semicircle, just doing, like, acoustic. It was, like, 90s again, and uh, they, they did a great job. Kind of like the amazing guitar pull. pull oh, my God. Flash. We're going to be talking about that soon. Uh, uh, I still – I still do you still have flashbacks about that? Because I, I still – Panda, I can't believe you weren't there. Like, I still have flashbacks. Like I like I'll just find myself daydreaming about that night and absolutely insane. And um, the other thing that I wanted to touch base on, just to let you guys know, give you guys a little bit of heads up, we will be doing our Rock for Recovery in May. Uh, we're really hoping to get this going in May. Uh, don't have exact details yet. We're all working on it. Uh, ironing out all the details, but it's going to be a family-friendly event this time. It's something that I've been wanting to kind of pull out of the bars for a while, and uh, looks like this year we're going to be able to do that in a family-friendly environment. Yeah, I, I I think that's great because obviously Rock for Recovery, and um, you and I didn't know that you know we had similar circumstances yeah. that brought us together, unfortunately, but you know, did and you know, it's like gotta stick together and in uh in those situations. I am personally grateful that you threw that. I, I think it it touches a lot of people, especially me and I know Mark. Yeah. You know, so thank you for that. Thank you. Oh man, it's my pleasure. I mean, after everything that we've all been through, like we everybody I know has had some form of personal connection with addiction and yeah. The crippling effects of that. So, Panda, any final words? We're going to kick it. We're going to uh, end this episode. We kind of came to a close. Panda, any last words? Chupacabra? Chupacabra. <laughs> okay, that's a last word. <laughs> Are you literally just doing last words? No, like, <laughs> I guess she is. I mean... I like it. I like <laughs> last words. You have to like figure out your last word for at the end of the night. Um, or phrase. My last word. I'll. You know what? I'll say my last word is satisfied. I was satisfied with the way this episode came off. Happy to be on here. Happy to be having episode one under our belts, and uh, only up from here. So. I'm going to just say grateful. Blast. That's two. <laughs> and uh, snort counter. It's pretty funny. <laughs> just... I think the final total for the snort was seven. Really? Seven snorts. Yeah. That many? Yes. 
So we have to beat seven next next episode. All right, guys. So until next time, same uh, same day, same time. We'll see you guys next Tuesday night. Much love, everybody. Guys, have a great week. Ah.